The Life of Minister of Jesus Christ, Part 96. So it's only four more, and I have uh, achieved the number 100. And uh, so, as I go with Jesus, as I live with Jesus, as I study this word, Jesus gets sweeter and sweeter. Amen? Hallelujah. And I want to speak this morning on a theme, Who Gets What? Who Gets What? And we are going to read from Luke chapter 20, the verses 19 to 26. If you're clever, then you know already next Sunday what I'm going to preach. Because you just keep reading and continue what I was preaching on. But um, it's not always. Sometimes I must go, uh, might go also back into Matthew or Mark and so on in order to get a complete uh, record. Luke uh, 20 verses 19 to 26. The scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hand on him, that means on Jesus, that very hour, and they feared the people, for they understood that he spoke this parable against them. You remember the parable Jesus was speaking about? time before, you know, he spoke about the stone that had been rejected by the builder. Those who were actually the specialists who should know what the stone is, a real good builder never ever would reject a good stone, especially in those days when they had cornerstones, you know, and that the, the stone is the last part, or a stone over a door, you know, that was so important. But uh, anybody not from that uh, building industry would have had no idea. And Jesus says, the, the Bible says, the builders who should know actually have rejected that stone. And that stone has become the very, very cornerstone. Hallelujah. That's what the world has rejected. That has become our centerpiece in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Now when Jesus spoke of this, the Pharisees didn't get it. They were sick. But the people got it. They knew that what Jesus was speaking about. Now in this parable, he talks about them. And they didn't have the guts to say, actually, priest, that's you. That's you. And I tell you what, everyone in this congregation, God bless you if the Lord shows you something, even to the pastors. Don't think that pastors know everything. We don't, do we? Pastor Gary, do you know everything? There's so much to learn. And it would take me an, a whole eternity to learn, to learn more about Jesus. Hallelujah. And a humble pastor says, Thank you very much, brother and sister. I haven't seen it that way. Hallelujah. And so you have done something instead of the pastor building you up. You have filled up the pastor. Amen. And that's good. Hallelujah. Now these people got it. Jesus is talking about them. But he should have pointed to them. But they were scared because they were so powerful. So they watched him and said spies, uh, sent spies who pretended to be righteous in order that they might catch him in some statement so that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. 
they questioned him, saying, Master, she the teacher. We know that you speak and teach correctly, and you are not passing to any, but teach the way of God in truth. That was a good thing, wasn't it? Now, let's go further. Is it lawful, now that comes, now comes the question, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he detected the trickery. Jesus wasn't that dumb. No. He knew already. Yeah, that's what they have got in mind. They want to uh, catch me somehow in a trap. And Jesus detected the trickery and said to them, Show me a denarius whose likeness and inscription does it have. They said, Jesus. And now Jesus, very clear, and he said, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. There are things in our life that are God. Did you know that? We have some kind of obligation to God. Nobody can run away from God. God will get you one day. The psalmist says, well, even if I would make my bed in hell somewhere away, far away from this earth, and if I would have flies, I would go light on the, on the rays of a sun, far away from here. And something he would discover. God is there. Wherever you go, God is there already. He has been there. Amen? Hallelujah. We never ever can, run, can run away from God. Because we have got an obligation to God. And everybody here this morning has got an obligation to God. And to God the things that are God. And they were unable to catch him in a saying in the presence of the people and being amazed at his answer. They became silent. When God speaks, we have got no words anymore. Amen? Then we have to be silent. We have to be silent. That's why I say, Lord, speak this morning. Speak this morning, and I pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray this morning that you might speak, Lord Jesus. That our ears might be tuned into listening to you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word that we, I preach this morning, that this word might enter into our hearts and everybody's heart who is here this morning in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray, Lord Jesus, give grace to speak your word, give grace to listen to your word, and also give grace to act upon your word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. How sweet was your day yesterday with Jesus? Now today, the day is going to be even sweeter. Amen? Brother Eddie, do you agree with me? Amen. Hallelujah. Now God and money 
are two different entities that's very important. Especially in the times we are living now, we have to understand God and money, they are two different entities. And we never ever must mix them. That's so important. All the scribes and Pharisees, they thought to catch Jesus in a moment where Jesus was not alert, that he might say something he might regret later on. Now Jesus was so careful, and all his words were truth. Hallelujah. I believe Jesus never chatted any sinless or senseless words. He was always spot on in his words. And his words were life. And his words were so clear that everybody understood what he meant. And that's so important. Now they thought they could Jesus somehow lure into a trap and he would say something that later on would somehow give them enough material to accuse, uh, to accuse Jesus in front of the governor. So they sent out some who pretended to be righteous. And, and they were looking and looking. Ah, yes, okay. And first of all, they had a good flattering at Jesus. I experienced too. You know, it's horrible if people flatter you. It's bad when people criticize you. Amen? But it's even worse if people flatter you. You know what I mean? After flattering, there is coming something. And Jesus knew. They were flattering and said, Well, Jesus, we know that you teach correctly. And, uh, and you, you preach the truth and you speak the truth because we know you are not partial. You are not holding one day to the Pharisees and the other day to the Romans or so. No, you are impartial. You can say something. Now what's the story about this? And Jesus detected their trickery. Pretenders of righteousness. You can't pretend uh, pretend before God. Did you know? Everybody this morning is open for God, before God, like a book. Amen. He sees the page you wrote yesterday, or you have read from yesterday. And He knows the page in your life you're living now. Nobody can pretend before God. God sees into your heart. Not only does He see your your heart that means it well with God, but He also sees the trickery that is in your heart. And our heart is what? It's sinful. And we read it from youth on. Yes? In our home study, a Bible study, we are talking about the sin, uh, about the great flood. In German we call it sin. And because of sin. And then God repeated and said, Well, the intention of a human heart are evil. And thereafter the flood says, From youth on. Imagine if the intentions of a person from youth on are already evil. How evil must it be if somebody is 80 years old? 
How evil must they be? Now I tell you what, and God spoke very clearly in that regard. God sees your heart, but He sees also the trickery in our heart, or whether we are pretending or not. I hope nobody is pretending this morning in the presence of God. Are you open like a book before God? Yes, you are. And the Holy Spirit can and may perhaps touch something in your life you never thought of. But it's important to know I can't pretend. God doesn't fall into a trap of pretended righteousness. Now these people who came and asked Jesus something, they were pretending as if they were righteous people. I tell you what, God doesn't play that kind of game. If you intend to do something and play that game before God, God doesn't play that game. He doesn't know that game. He only knows truth. And it's important. We can't pretend before God in any way. Now, there's this warning example of a servant of a prophet, Elisha. Now you know this story in, in 2 Kings chapter 5 from verse 20 to 27. I don't want to read the whole story. So that's why you don't have to put it on. I forgot this morning to give you the notes or especially the descriptions, the scriptures. But uh, you, you're getting quicker and quicker by the time I've spoken. All what I want is on the on the screen. Now you know Gehazi was the same. And the Lord healed this Naim and this Syrian um, uh, officer. And uh, so he was wrecked because his skin was clean from a clean, like, like a baby's skin. You know, did you see a baby's skin? Anybody has got a young baby? There's a little, what is his name? Elijah. Young Elijah, look him in his face, you know, and his cheeks, uh, nice and clean. And so his, his skin became clean in every way. And he was so grateful. He was so grateful and he went to Elisha and he wanted to give her a lot of uh, goods, you know, presents. And uh, he, he thought, well, I, I have to show gratefulness and and he offered him everything and so on. But King or Elisha said, but he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. What a man of God. Amen? What a man of God. Such a great healing, and he doesn't take a cent for it. He doesn't say that. Did you know if you would have gone to a doctor and have seen, would have seen a specialist, would have cost you even more. Okay, now give something to the kingdom of God. No way. These are not men of God who act like that. I tell you what. You can see a man of God in his attitude towards money, and you can see a. Christian in his attitude towards money. I'm not preaching about money. 
And I'm so glad I never ever needed to preach in this church about money. Is there anybody here who remembers the sermon I preached about money? Anybody here? And this morning I have to preach about money. But listen to what the Lord is saying. God preaches also about money. But in a different way, these money-grabbing connivers preachers do. And now it's important. Now this Elijah said, no, no, no. I don't want anything. No, no. But, but at least take something, you know, silver and gold and, and uh, fest or feasting ropes or whatever. He didn't want it. But somehow in the next room next door was Gehazi, his servant. If I would have been Elijah, I would have taken everything. And I said, listen, it's not quite enough. I need some more. Could you bring some? Oh, yes, I could bring some from Syria. No problem. I'm going to send some more with gold and silver, anything you want. That's the way he might have thought. And then, Naaman went home. And Jehazi, he couldn't let it go. This man has so much money. He has so much money and was prepared to give so much money. I have to run after him. Perhaps I can get something. If Elisha is so reluctant to take money, my hands are open. And he ran after him, the Bible said. He ran after Naaman and as Naaman Realized somebody is running behind me. He stopped this. He said, is everything alright? Oh yes, everything is alright. He pretended. And he said, no, there's a little bit of a, a change has come. We just got two students from the prophet's school, wherever. They've come and visited my master. And uh, so... He needs some money, I say in my words, but you can read it there. And Naaman, he, he, he was willing. He said, okay, how much do you need? And he gave him silver and clothing for these allegedly two students from any uh, prophet school came to it. So they have something. And so he gave him everything. And also he gave him two servants to carry the whole lot. He was not able to carry the whole lot by himself. He said, well, here are two servants and they will help you to carry everything over. And when he came to him, he said, stop, stop, that's okay. You don't have to go any further. Then he saw down the hill, he saw there was the house of Elisha. And he put it somewhere in a house and came back to Elijah. And he was whistling a nice tune. That's what I said, Bible doesn't say it. I want to explain it a little bit that you understand his mood in that he was. Now I got some money. Enough for a house to buy. I've got some money. And Elijah asked him, Is everything all right? Yes. And he said, well, 
I went in the Spirit with you. What about that you ran after the after the carriage of Naaman? And he said something. Is it now time to collect all these things? Let me read. I, I want to get this scripture correctly. He said here in verse 26. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when a man turned from his chariot to beat you? Is it a time to receive money and to receive clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? Is it now time to receive these things? Now listen, all you money-grabbing, connivers, preaching TV preachers, listen to this. It's not the time to collect all these things. And I don't care whether you need a new jet. I don't care what you need more else. Is it now the time? The reward will get one day in heaven and it will be something different than a jet, a private jet. Hallelujah. I don't want a private jet. If I should have a private jet... I would need a pilot as well. And imagine how much that would cost. And who should pay for it? The church? No way. No way. And it's now the time. No, it's not now the time. The time of reward are coming in heaven. Hallelujah. And I'm looking for a time of the reward in heaven. Hallelujah. And the greatest reward I can receive from the Lord is this, when He speaks the word into my ears. Oh, you good and faithful servant. These are the words my ears are longing for. That He was a good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. That's enough for me. Pastor Gary, what about you? Would it be enough for you too? Hallelujah. Oh, glory, hallelujah. That's what I want to hear. Now, these pretend questioners, they said, now listen, we know uh, you're a good teacher. You say always the truth. You're always impartial. And now, um, how is it about, should we pay taxes to Caesar? What do you say? And Jesus detected their craftiness. And I tell you what, don't listen to flatterers. Years and years ago, I had flatterers coming to the church. To the church. And uh, one day, I think it was after a sermon I preached, whether it's good or not, Sometimes I preach all the sermons there like a duck. Yes, you know what I mean? Like a duck. Some pastors are happy if all the sermons are being spread around the world. If it's a, if it's a duck or not, as long as their name is there. I'm not into that. And he came to me and said, You are a preacher after my own heart. If anybody comes to pleasing words like that, be careful. 
be careful. I learned that he has a printing press and he can use something. And I thought we can do some flyers and we could print something for the church, some flyers. And our dear brother James, he's not here this morning. Is he ill or what happened to him? He couldn't cover whatever, whatever reason, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a policeman. But uh, he developed then a nice track. And I thought, well, this man can print it, you know. If, if he has got a printing press and is in this kind of business, it's good for the church. You know, he could do something for the church. And my dear brother James, he remembers that time. If he would have been here this morning, I would have asked him. But you asked him himself, your dad, yes? Sarah? Can you ask me that, Dad, you remember that the first truck you developed? And I don't mind to get it printed by him for cheap, of course, you know. And so, but then I kept preaching about righteousness. Because I want to be a preacher of righteousness like Noah. I couldn't imagine that there could be any other preacher who would preach anything but righteousness of God. If he preaches anything but righteousness of God, he is not a preacher, I tell you. Any Sunday school kid would tell, this is not a preacher of righteousness if he doesn't preach the righteousness of God. But when I started preaching about the righteousness of God and uh, also holiness and sanctification, all of a sudden I thought, no, I realized that this man didn't come to church any longer. I don't know why. I don't know why he disappeared into the air. He was gone. Now, we have to understand the situation Jesus was in. And there were the Herodians. These were some people who helped Herod. And the Herodians and the Pharisees they had a different view about Caesar. The Herodians agreed to pay taxes to Caesar, but the Pharisees, the Pharisees said, well, it's not right, it's a sin to pay taxes. I tell you what, you pay your taxes is not a sin, because Jesus gives to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And pay your taxes to the government because they belong to them. Amen? Amen? I don't know. We don't like to pay taxes. They take a lot of money, a big chunk of your, of your profit. Yes, and they're very good in that. They're very good in that. A big chunk of the profit. Now, and there was also this idea, why should we pay taxes? Because he's a, he's a heathen, you know. He's a Gentile. We have got nothing to do. And the Pharisees had a scripture. And the scripture is in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 15. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your countrymen. You shall set a king over yourself. You may not put a foreigner or over yourself who is not your countryman. 
and they realized Caesar was a foreigner. Why should we pay taxes? And now we have to ask Caesar, Caesar, what do you think of that? We have the scripture never to pay taxes to any foreigner. We should not accept him as a king. In other words, it must be a man of countrymen of our own. And Jesus was a countryman of, of theirs. And they didn't accept him, but he's coming back as the son of David. And then he will rule over the house of Israel. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So they were quite safe with Jesus. And Jesus knew the idea. But there was a group also, Judas, the Galilean, he was a zealot. You know what a zealot was? Yes. Those with a zeal who we have to get rid of the Romans. And Judas, the Galilean, he started a rebellion against Rome. He and his band accepted only the temple taxes, but no taxes for, the, for Caesar. And so there was a little bit of a question, should we, should we not? Should we, should we not? And Jesus gave them the answer. Now, when Paul was heard about that he had to defend himself, and also before Gamaliel, he pointed out of Judas, in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, it says, After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away a whole crowd, some people, after him. He too persisted. And all those who followed him were now Judas, he started a rebel, uh, rebellion against Caesar. He said, well, actually, he is not our king. He is a foreigner, and we must not pay anything to this king. That's why the idea, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus said, basically, now show me. Show me a denarius. And he grabbed him to the pocket. Here that and Jesus said, Whose likeness and inscription does it have? He looked at it. Caesar's. And Jesus said then, Give to say Caesar, what is Caesar's? Anybody knows what is the picture on our dollar? Anybody knows the face from a tree from England? Yes? So, and you know something, don't you? That means we somehow, whether we like it or not, we belong to England, and the Queen is still the head of Australia. Amen? That's true. I, as a German, had to learn it too, because we never had that. Long, long ago, we had a Kaiser in Germany. 
But now when I came to Australia, I had to learn there is a head on the dollar. Or any, any coin. And that's Queen Elizabeth's head. That means she is still in power here in Australia. I had to learn it. Now, what was the Inara's life? Jesus said very clearly, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Now the inscription was the Roman denarius had on the front side the head of Tiberius and with the inscription in Latin Tiberius Caesar Divi Augusti Tiberius Augustus and in English it means Tiberius Caesar of the divine Augustus or son of the divine Augustus. And then on the other side, on the flip side, there was a picture, the image of the Empress, Livia, his mother, with a scepter and a flower, with the inscription, Pontifex Maximus, High Priest. Now, if that is not enough of blasphemy against the belief of the Jews, there is no other, no other Pontifex no other high priest than our high priest here in Israel. And they had all the rights to reject it. But Jesus says, what are we saying? Now, we have to take taxes. And I tell you what, we must be very clear in our lives. Everybody, whether you have got a business or not, we have to pay our taxes. And at the end of the year, you can't get even something. Somebody said, I'm happy to pay taxes. That means I earned at least a decent money. And some people don't want to pay taxes. They try to cheat the government. But don't, don't try to cheat the government. Now this weekend, I experienced things I'm preaching. This week, Last week, somebody came and offered to our business for $250,000. With just a little legal twist in it, in order to make us to save taxes. And I said, we're going to pray about it. We prayed about it. Ella says, right away, I read. I tell you what, you can't fool Ella. She smelled a rat. And interesting, my son and I, and also his wife, we had from the Lord an answer, amen. It's good to have a business with believers in the business who, who are connected with the Lord, and the Lord can speak to them. And we rejected this offer of $250,000. Praise the Lord. I have not said, but the Lord reminded me, brother, when the next Sunday you have to preach about taxes, you can't be such a great hypocrite preaching about taxes you pay to the government and avoid taxes yourself. The Lord has saved me. When I, I remember, I remember I often have to work for a whole week till I'm on to preach in my heart. 
and I chew it over and over. And this came to me. If I would have done this, I couldn't have preached in such a free atmosphere about money. That this church doesn't want your money, amen. God doesn't want your money. God wants something else. Give the money to Siva, Caesar, and that what belongs to him, the Texas. Give the taxes to the Australian government. But give the things that belong to God, give them to God. And that's why he appealed this morning to everybody. That's so important the Apostle Paul, when he was before Felix, he testified in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. In view of this, I do my best to maintain Always a blameless conscience. Hallelujah. Does anybody know what it means to have a blameless conscience? Paul said, well, in this I, I do my best to maintain. Always a blameless conscience before God and before what? Before God and before... Some say, oh, well, the things with God I can fix later on. No, no, the things before God are as important as the things before man. Amen? Hallelujah. These things are important. Paul could say that. I want to say it and would be able to say it every time. I want to have a clear conscience before God and before man that I can preach about anything in the Bible. Hallelujah. I mustn't say, well, I wonder you can preach about this because you have failed in this yourself. And you're not quite honest in this yourself. No, I know the devil wants it in order to render my ministry powerless. And poor Paul knew it. If he would not have maintained a clear conscience before God and man, that all his preaching ministry, as great it is, was full of wisdom of God, would have rendered totally powerless. Paul didn't want it. Paul didn't want it. Now, how was your conscience this morning? Paul was clear in that. I remember a preacher. Actually, not a special ministry. Every Christian and every minister of God should be able to drive demons out. Amen? And we should be able to cast out devils. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus said. It doesn't need a special call for it. It needs just a, a real clean heart. Because the demon will get you one day. And he got caught up by the demon. Because she was doing some kind of exercise and all of a sudden the demon spoke out of the person. What about that situation there in Perth? In the past, I tell you what, the demons know exactly what we have done five, six, and ten years ago. Unless it has been Wash away by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't claim 
that I'm the best follower of Jesus amongst you all. No. I know also my past has been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And if you know something about our dear Pastor Gary, he likes one song especially. Have you been to Jesus in a cleansing heart? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Is that right? Is that right? Is one of your favorite songs? See, I know all the people. I know the people. Hallelujah. And that's true. I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. If that never happened to you, don't touch the, the, the things of God with unclean hands. Don't try to cast demons out. The demons will catch up with you and say, Do you remember that what happened then and then? They even would call the day and the moment and the persons to the wrong with our Now, Jesus not only says, Give to Caesar the things which belong to Caesar. And Jesus says something else. And give to God the things which belong to God. Now I want to preach, and maybe I get really into preaching now, because give to God what belongs to God. Now, what does belong to God in our lives? As a created being, we belong to God and we have and wear the image of God. The Bible says very clearly. And we understand the complexity of our human body. Where's the inscription? Listen. Your complexity of your body. Where's the inscription? Created by God and not evolved from some, some kind of soup millions and millions of years ago. In your body is an inscription and the complexity of the body, how it functions, can only come from God who has designed everything so perfectly. Amen? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm so glad this week we saw the heart specialist again. My wife, my wife she gave a testimony last night. You remember that? Who remembers the testimony my wife gave? Hand up. But she said something else. Well, it's getting naughty again. And I thought I have to ask the doctor and ask her, am I allowed to eat this in the morning? Also by this cold weather? Also, yes, it's good. Also in winter? Yes, it's and I said, I do it for the circulation of my body. And she put me on different tablets. There were some tablets for vertebrae, was it again? Beta lock. And the doctor prescribed quite a heavy doses. And I was wondering, I was tired and tired. Beta lock makes the heart go slow down. Slow down. And so on. And so I had the, so she put me on this, uh, uh, what do you call it in our ECG. ECG is. Okay. She put me on that. She said, your heart rate is too low. It was about 30. 
if you keep going that way, you need a heart face or pacemaker. And she took me off of it. Only a quarter of it. Praise the Lord. I feel it good again. And if I preach the word of God, I want my heart to go up a little bit. Then I get a little bit more fired up. Hallelujah. And now I can walk even with the, the road in my, my walk where I go a little bit steep up. I'm not of short breath. I can go, see, doctors, please come see. They might also be wrong. But my doctor in heaven, he is right. Always right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know our wife's brother Eddie, they want us a little bit longer around. They, they mean the best of us. And she wants me too to be around a little bit longer with her. I do appreciate it, Ella. But the Bible says something in Genesis chapter 127. God created man in his image. Everybody of us wears the image of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't destroy that image. If you destroy the image, you do something against God. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, praise the Lord. We are living now in a time people really don't know. And some say, well, I don't know, am I a male or a female? And I tell you what, if you have got that problem, go to a GP, he can tell you what you are. And he even can give you a certificate for it. Don't go to a psychologist, they don't know anything about it. They will tell you, no, actually, yes. Actually, you are good. Actually, you are a girl. They can't get you a certificate for that. But any GP can do it. They are smart, I tell you what. They studied long for it. And here are people not able to understand what they are or who they are. God made them male and female. Hallelujah. The way you are, you have been made from God. If you are female, you are female. And if you are man, you are man. Or a mouse, I don't know. But I tell you what, take the things that God has done in your life. This morning I had a little swim in our swimming pool. I have to tell her, Ella Reckon, I'm bragging about it. If it's bragging, forgive, forgive me. But I just came out the door and then the neck pies came. I went out the patio door to the three foot. The neck pies came because Ella did something. She feeds the neck pies. And as soon as anybody stepped out of the door, they come up. You know? Ella learned something about it. Anybody from you here could tell me what is a male and female I know it. I learned it of an Australian lady. You can see it. 
God made even amongst the magpies a difference that you could see this is a male, this is a female. Anybody knows it? Hand, hand up. My wife, she knows it. You know it too, yes? Sort of. I know it not only sort of, but I really know it. And God made a gender difference even about the magpies. She cares for them too. Because they get treated by Alex, by Alex, and by me sometimes. Now I tell you, God created man into his image, into his image he created them, male and female. Full stop. Full stop. Don't be stupid, sir. Well, maybe I might be a girl. No. Anybody got the idea that I could be a girl? No, I am a man. Even Matthew has to laugh about it. He laughs about it. Yes. Now, I want to give you what you can see. You know, ladies are more cleaner than men. You know, uh, if my wife had a white, nice dress on, she could have the nice white dress for far for longer white than I could have perhaps a white too. Somehow, the males are gifted in soiling things very quickly. Aren't they? Is it true? Mr. Pastor, yes. Is it true? Because their white shirt gets all of a sudden after a while Dark white. You know what dark white is? Grayish. And you can see it with a magpie. The males have a grayish jacket on. That what is, should be back on the back should be white. It's grayish. And if you see a magpie, they're very clean white on the back. It's a male. Did you know that? You knew it. Oh, yeah. But Australians should know that because the neckties are very common here. Yeah. And Ella feeds them, 80% of them are all males. They're hung more hungry than the female. Now, we have to render the things which belong to God. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you have been bought by a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is not talking about a transgender body. He is talking about the God body He created and that body belongs to God. You understand it? Of course, God can forgive anyone who didn't know who He was or who, who she was. God can forgive. But the, the general thing is this. We should praise God in our body. We can't do with our body what we want. And here I must say, the pro-choice ladies are totally wrong. Totally wrong. It can't be any wronger than this. I heard a lady saying perhaps on TV or whatever, I can do with my body what I want. If I want to abort a child, I can do it. No, you cannot. That body doesn't belong to you. 
to whom does the God belong? God has created. God has created. And he created them male and female. And unfortunately, it's in, the God, in God's choice that the male and female will have children. Yes? God's wise, wise decision. Now, our body is God. And that's why we should do in our body the will of God. Now, many money-grabbing connivers have perverted this scripture. Listen to me. Many grab money-grabbing connivers, preachers, evangelists, whoever they are, have perverted the scripture. Okay, you give the, the taxes to the government, but remember what God is belongs to God. Your money belongs to God. Your money belongs to God. You have to give your money to God. And some people get a bad conscience if they don't give their money to these gods. We, we were in Sweden many, many, many years ago and there was a, a singer, gospel singer, John Sparry. My wife and I, we were just newly wet when we were in Sweden in that um, service. I think it was a service from the Salvation Army. And he preached and sang a song. And he sang this song. I have to tell you in, in Swedish. Does anybody understand Swedish here this morning? Who has a whore in an hanger? That means God has no money. The money, you have the money, not God. You have the money. God is not after your money. God is after something else He made. And that's you. That's you. I want to conclude with a little story. And somebody say, Amen. Because Pastor Werner has been preaching too long this morning. Okay. There was a mission Sunday in a church. We're going to have it next Sunday or Sunday after, yeah? Very soon. And uh, it was good. I remember mission Sundays when I was a young boy. Like Matthew, old Matthew. In mission Sundays, I listened, I listened. And I saw all the, the pictures, you know, from the people from South Africa or Africa from the mission field from India and so on. And then the preacher preached about giving everything to the Lord and serving the Lord. At the end, the ushers were standing at the door. And was that, was that uh, let's give for the mission work. And this young boy, he was by this word. Oh, he knew something. It's so important to do mission work. It's so important. But unfortunately, he didn't have any money with him. And he wanted to give something to the mission. And one of the ushers, he had this, um, this platter, perhaps a wooden platter, where all the money was being put in. It was a quiet 
offering. You know what quiet offerings are? Yes? Quiet offerings are that where not coins are being rolling around. You know, and everyone put as much as he could. Put money in. And this little boy came to that to that uh, usher and he said, can you lower the, the plate a little bit? He thought, well, he wants to put something in. And he wrote this and said, no, lower. No, he says, lower. He put it on the floor. And the boy stepped into that plate and said, that's my offering. That's my offering my whole life. I want to give to the Lord. I don't know what happened to this young man. Maybe he has become an evangelist or a missionary. Anything, I don't know. That's what God is after your whole life. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. Thank the Lord for the money we are able to earn. And you gave us the opportunity, Lord. Lord, as you would say, the one who was stealing should no longer steal, but he should work with his hand, that he has some means to give for those who have nothing. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, but far more, you want more than just a little bit of money. You want us. And Lord, here I am. Here I am, holy, available. As for me, I will serve you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what God wants. Have somebody else. He wants to step into this offering platform. The Lord, he is. I want to give it to you. Don't do anything. God is good. Don't think God wants your money. No way. No way. He wants me. Give me, my son, your heart. That's all I had to preach this morning. God bless you. We're going to have now a little bit of fellowship. Hallelujah.